Um, you might pull that. It always is a little short. Yeah, that's that one is always. Welcome to the Learning to Lose podcast, everyone. Um, w- 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 will you just grab Caleb? He can help you with that. Um, Caleb. Um, we have a really. I say this every single time. We have a very special guest, Nick. I mean, why don't you just introduce yourself? Because I don't want to like say more than I. I'm supposed to about who you are. A uh, fist away from the microphone. <laughs> fist away. Yeah. I feel like Got I it. always Got have it. to say Got that. It. I want. I want like the full Monty though. I want the. That's so cool. Give me like the. That's what. Know? That's what Chris said too. Because Chris <laughs> came in here. Chris Howard from yeah. Axis or Ethos yeah. now, yeah. and I was like, hey, like you know, like just let him know who you are, like, and he's like, bro, let's go, dude. You know what I mean? And <laughs> right. it was cool because I do feel like. Like everyone's like friend, but that they want to hide at the part. Like, like we're cool outside the party, but then when I come to the party with you, like you pretend like you don't know me because it's like <laughs> scary. Because I, I, you know, what I, I, that's just how I feel, right? Based right. On, because of everything that's been happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. So Nick, um, you own multiple treatment centers. I do, yeah. I'm the CEO and operator of Stillwater Behavioral Health. I own a consulting firm that does state licensing and joint commission accreditation for treatment centers. Yeah, some of the people, some of the people that needed, some of the people that found me on TikTok needed to detox, so they went to Stillwater. Yeah, and now they're some of them are still here months later. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really cool. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's like really cool because we were just talking about like, you know, some of the things that we were into. I mean, I'm sure most like drug addicts and, you know, alcoholics in recovery, obviously we gravitate towards like you were talking about the beat movement and Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg and Bob Dylan and all this stuff that like we're now like helping people get their lives back and I don't know, not to sound too grandiose about it, but like, yeah, like we're helping save lives, dude. And it's cool. Right. Right. It's kind of a really awesome, like purpose. And it's cool that we can like all kind of work together. Yeah. To do it. No, I feel you. I mean, it, it definitely, Southern California is unique in that respect, right? Like I'm, I'm from Oregon originally. So when I came here to get sober, um, Mm. I remember going into meetings and feeling like, a sense of community that I had never experienced oh, before. Oh, out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And huh. uh, honestly, it really is something that doesn't exist elsewhere in the country. I mean, there are other places that are sort of recovery hotspots. Mm. But the idea that we can recover, like, is super relevant in, in Southern California in general, right? Like, people tend to embrace recovery as opposed to focus on what got you here. Mm. Um, it's so much of the reason I stayed down here, you know? It was just, this was... Something I'd never experienced before, and it is. It's it's like a movement, just like the beat movement. You see all these, you know, young people, early twenties that should be partying, that should be drinking, that should be using. They're covered in tattoos, and right. they have cool sneakers and shit. And then they, um, they stay sober. I never. That's not even where my head was going with it, but that's such a trip. You're right. And there's even this like sober TikTok. I didn't even know that was a thing, but Woody's been talking about it a lot lately. And, like, you know, TikTok is the new cool app that everyone's, like, either on or, like, they are about to be on. And there's, like, if you move that, like, 
And then, yeah, there you go. There we go. <laughs> and then you can just move it around right, however cool, you want, cool. you know? Yeah. It's, it really is a movement. And I think it's being, it's more like widely accepted and like uh, talked about than it ever has been. And yeah, it's funny that it's, we're talking about this right now because I actually do feel like I'm at the forefront of like that. Like I'm definitely one of the, leading people on at least on tiktok talking about sobriety and recovery yeah which yeah. is cool and i feel it kind of does feel a little bit like hyper crush all over again yeah but like in a different way and then i did something similar with the production company but um billy mm-hmm. what's up bro just waiting to ask questions so let's 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 get a little bit of back well there was something we were talking about, though, right when I turned this on that I want. Oh, you were saying about how, yeah, like things are cool until they're not cool. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. want to lose that because that was such a interesting. And I think, oh, it was just relevant to like the pop electro fucking lame thing I was doing. But like even with Bob Dylan. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. He like, you know, goes but electric. You know what, though? When I listen cool to that anymore. music, though, I think it's. When I listen to like the music I was making, it's like it's like obviously corny now. Right. But when you listen to his music back then, that maybe lost the that maybe became uncool for a short time, it's just timeless. Well Yeah. No, it's you're right. It's not uncool, it's the music they're making now that's uncool. <laughs> but like yeah, agreed. W- what I'm saying is like some things ride a wave and it's a trend and it's not cool, but they stay timeless and then other things get uncool and they're like corny when you, they don't age well. Do, you know yeah, what I'm no, I, I do know what you mean. I think for, for somebody like Dylan where he was, he would have the harmonica and acoustic guitar and he would play nothing but acoustic. Right. And he would play just such traditional folk music mm-hmm. um, that when that started to get more mainstream, it was kind of the opposite of what he always wanted to do. He never wanted to be mainstream. He didn't want to be this idol right. for anybody else. So that's what I mean when I say it wasn't cool anymore. That's what made him so cool is that he played everything he did. He did it for himself. So as soon as other people started to resonate with it too much mm-hmm. and he became this leader of something that he never wanted to be, yeah. he switched it up. So when, when folk music became super popular, he was like, I'm going to like, Right, uh, yeah, I'm gonna grow. But the I'm the, the, the thing shift. about that though was that like he started the band, which was also they were mad at him because they didn't come to see a pop group. Right. So it, he almost went from one thing to another, but whatever. Yeah, let's get a a brief history of Nick. Well, so, no, that's not the question I had. I just have a question. Go ahead. So a treatment center—that's where people go in and like. Uh, they detox or what? Yeah, so a treatment center is licensed through the state of California. It's detox residential. So you can do subacute detox and then residential treatment, which is kind of like high-intensive therapeutic services, right? You got eight to ten hours of group and individual sessions per day mm. and a psychiatrist and a medical doctor and a nurse. And it's kind of that, that first initial stage when you're breaking people off of their substance and getting some time under their belt. So you have several medical facilities for detoxing alcoholics and drug addicts? Yeah, they're subacute, so they're in kind of a similar setting. In What's a house like subacute? This, meaning it's non-hospital setting. So it's Sub- in a residential setting. 
like high acuity, acute settings or hospital level, right? Which you would see. What like, is acute? It, it's it's just like what is a word the mean? term they use? Acute would be like focused. Well, that's like, what I. That's the yeah, that's like how high, I would define that word. High acuity is, means like you know the more attention that one individual needs, the uh, higher level of care that's required. Mm. If it's a higher acuity, so then it's sub, more intensive. Sub stands for suburban. No, 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 no. Below. Below that yeah. level oh, of acuity. Okay. So the level of acuity is hospital, non-hospital setting, oh, right? okay, I get it. One is, in a hospital, you can have, you could die and they can bring you back. They have wow. paddles to bring you back, mm. right? Subacute is in a residential setting where you just have medical staff monitoring, making sure Gavipen. people are safe. Mm. They're, yeah, they're detoxing. I only, I never really, yeah, I'm just, I'm still learning about that. Right, because like, we don't we don't do that here. Right, that's what they do, which I never thought I would like care as much as I do now. But because of everything that's happened, and because right. everyone on the internet has some like opinion and they think they know everything, they're like accusing us of things, and it's like it's wild to me how many people like know things like. What do you do mean? you have a license? Like they're throwing out all this stuff. There are no professionals. Where are the li- where's the license? And it's like, Ooh. okay, cl- slow down. Like we're a sober living. Like they think they know stuff, but they don't really know the difference. Yeah. It's just people throw a lot of stuff around. You I know? mean, look, I, I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Um, but I also think that people do the best that they can with the information that they have, right? Yeah. What is wildly true is that Kids are dying left and right mm. in this industry, outside of this industry. There are a lot of super, super sketchy centers and sober livings and yeah. people that misrepresent what they do. Fraud is rampant. We had, what, 93,000 overdose deaths in the last 12 months? Would you say there's more fraud facilities than there is legit? No, no, no. There's just a lot. I don't know if it's oh. more or less. I just know that there is a lot. It's rampant in our space, right? So, No, it's fine, but when you put your heel down yeah, and vibrates it. down <laughs> just when you do it just do it softly okay, okay. on the book um i think <laughs> it's i get why they ask that stuff right we desperately need to figure out how we can hold people accountable yeah, and for you, doing things that they're not supposed to do and you know what like probably five out of ten times they ask it they're not asking it from like a hostile judgmental place right but Sometimes they're saying it with aggression and judgment with lack of knowledge or experience and they're just like they feel trolling. vindicated though. You you realize that, right? What is that? Like it, they they feel justified in right. that response because the majority of these people that take issue, they know somebody who died, man. Like right. this is super serious in that respect. And I think Mm. you found yourself in a really difficult spot because I think you're right. There's a lot of truth to what you're saying about people not necessarily knowing the entire truth or never being here, never experiencing this culture, which I can say firsthand. This is like a remarkably good sober living. When you're here, the culture, the community, the sense of of accountability amongst all the clients here is impressive. Like I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I walk through here, I can tell that people are sober, that people are doing what they're supposed to do to rebuild their life. Right which is kind of really the only criteria that you can gauge a successful center at and Mm. a non-successful center is are people staying sober? So it's working. It might be unique and different and it might be very isolated, which leaves you, I think, susceptible to external influence and advice and things like that. But 
I think that when somebody takes issue with you, you have to automatically meet them with love because it's for a reason. We don't have natural enemies in this space. They have kids that have died. They know people that have overdosed on heroin or that got body brokered at some sketchball center and horrifying things happen. Mm. This is a disease of the family. You know what I mean? Like addiction is terrifying, man. And so not everybody has the emotional intelligence to differentiate that. And so they just want to hold somebody accountable. And I think that we as treatment providers kind of have a responsibility. Like, for example, let's say you had a client who was constantly complaining about your staff and you and your house and all of that stuff. The immediate go-to response as a provider would not be to kick that person out. It wouldn't be to judge them. It wouldn't be to be upset with them. You would understand that they're sick. Right. And you'd meet them where they're at. Right. So I would encourage you, just for your own mental health, man, like, remember that these people... um, if they are attacking you, it's because they believe that they're doing the right thing. And, 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 and you know? do the same thing with them as you would with someone in the house. Yeah, or just, I mean, you know, it's sort of a practice which you preach kind of a mentality here, yeah. right? Like, it's kind of that same idea like if somebody who works in treatment relapses and then our entire industry will sort of isolate them or turn our back on him. Which is so bananas to me because if I had a client who went through and did 60 days and they're sober and they're well and they go get a job and they're doing good and then they relapse and they call me, I'm not going to turn my back on them. We open our arms wide and we shower them with love and praise for the courage it takes to call and all those things. And I don't understand why we don't share that same with our... That's a very empathetic... uh view of things i just thought they were self-righteous fucks trying to fuck with us <laughs> well it, it, it's i love that or take on with it. him i shouldn't say i us. love that take on it and 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 that's true and that's you know in a lot of in a lot of cases but we're talking about the internet and like i think that people who aren't on the internet don't really understand completely what we're dealing with and how like toxic the human races online <laughs> yeah, yeah like there's only so much you can we can do and it's also like we're not superheroes and we're humans too and it's like after at a, at a certain point you just have to just ignore it yeah i mean you can't let it affect you if you believe in what you're doing yeah right i think yeah. display that's a lot harder to say than to do no, for sure. But I'm doing yeah. it. I mean, you're I, I am doing it. Yeah. But like, you know. You're a human being. You're an alcoholic. She's struggling to do it. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it now more than you were, but it was really hard for her. And, and also, like, it's kind of, it's one thing. Yeah, like, I would, it would be a lot easier for me to talk about love and empathy, like, if it wasn't, like, my care like she's been they're like they don't even care about what's real or not like they're calling her a body broker they know she's a body broker and they don't want to even give her a chance to defend herself right and that's where it's like come and then it's like you get even blocked for even so there's you just you certain people you just can't talk to no you're you're absolutely that's what's yeah i mean i think that you know this is where you start to really dive into the concept of what is your side of the street and i think in in a lot of different ways you guys have handled yourselves appropriately i.e being as transparent as you possibly can be yeah um you can't ever expect that somebody's going to want to take the time to come and 
learn, right? Like you can't you can't right. sort of project just because that's what you would do on somebody else. Um, but I'm with you, man. I mean, it 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 has to be remarkably tough to be to be scrutinized in the court of public opinion without a voice. If you can't advocate for yourself because nobody wants to listen, nobody wants to hear, it's uh, it's so gnarly. It's a pain. Yeah, it's got to be super tough to deal with. For I sure. really like your approach, so it's changed my concept a little bit. It's very mm-hmm. AA, very <laughs> empathetic, you know, like looking at they're probably wounded. Yeah. And whether their actions are justified or not, it's coming from a wounded place, which gives me a little, opens my heart a little bit to those motherfuckers. <laughs> you know? And also, like he said, too, they genuinely are like trying to do the right thing. Right. I don't know. I'm a little skeptical on that. And see us as the wrong thing. Right. Um, yeah, but there's but some, how? like how? some of the hate from online, even from that that video at the restaurant where it got 3 million views. Well, that's a good example of what That's what I want with. to explain yeah. to him. So like there was a video I did, it got 3 million views and mm-hmm. I got so much hate because it was, I don't even, people I mean, just thought that I was like being rude. But I really wasn't. I was just speaking my truth. And like, basically, we were at a restaurant and. Huh? Oh, we were at a restaurant and um, it took us like 19 minutes to get water. And so I was like, oh, I'm about to, you know, just to him, (laughs) just to my friend. Right. I'm just like, I'm about to like, you know. And then when he got there, I was like really loving. Okay, And the amount of hate I got from that video, like people have been writing me saying i hope you od and die so that's like what Eef. we're we're also dealing with people like that right we're dealing right. with like this a camp. lot of crazy people there's yeah, this like cancel course. culture virtue signaling and joe talks about it a lot on his podcast joe rogan about just how there's a lot of people out there that don't normally they don't have a voice and they don't know how to contribute right. so they destroy instead yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? Like you're all sort of warriors behind the keyboard. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's weird, man. I, yeah. I noticed that the other day. Somebody asked me; they were like asking for their for my advice. Uh, it's actually my my uh, really close friend of mine is starting a business, and he was like, "Should I do a Yelp page?" And I was like, "No," because nobody takes the time to leave a good. The only right. time they go there is to blast you. It's been weaponized, mm-hmm. and you're right. It does give people a voice, and it gives them a platform, and you know. It's tough. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely tough. I I will say, you know, again, um, I feel like in certain instances, people are that are telling you you should just OD and die. Um, obviously, that is somebody who's just super sick. They're in a lot of pain. They want you to yeah. be in that same pain. Their shock value. They're trolls. Whatever. I think that you can remove those from the conversation entirely. Those right? those, those are actually easy for me. When yeah, it's, when it's so crazy. When it's that crazy, I literally am able to just laugh and keep it moving. <laughs> right. But there's yeah, yeah, these yeah. other types. Right. Like, uh, you know, Theo Vaughn or uh, who was it? Somebody on Joe Rogan. Oh, it was. Uh, do you listen to Joe? Ever? No. no. He, he, he has this guy named Duncan Trussells, who's a really good friend. I know. Of him. I know who that is. He's amazing. Yeah. He, he has a show. He, he, t- yeah. he called them Archers of Pain. Because from a distance, they have like this, this, this like really good aim, and they know mm-hmm. how to like hit you right in the heart. Because mm-hmm. they follow you, and they and they know how to like push your buttons, right. and say just the right thing to where it's like almost on, 
And there's going to be a lot of other people who probably believe what they're saying. Mm. I'm trying to think of a good example, but yeah, like calling me a narcissist. Like, yeah. Right. I, and I've done videos talking about how I am. <laughs> no, no, and also about how like any person who who starts their own business or especially chooses to be an artist, there needs to be some form of narcissism to believe in yourself that much to do something that's that hard. Mm. Sure. And I can see that. All alcoholics are narcissists, really. Right. And and um I just talked about that a little bit and also talked about how like like it's it's actually like like the page that you're on is called Patrick Ridge. Would you like me to talk about someone else? Like <laughs> why are you on my page right. calling telling me that I'm like so yeah, it's it's all good. It's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like stop talking about yourself. Isn't it like an interesting <laughs> like to talk about? That's it's funny. kind of an interesting duality for you, right? Yeah. To be admittedly narcissistic, but also at the same time to be an alcoholic. And for me, like my alcoholism, one of the traits of it is that I desperately care what people think about me. Yeah. To the point where I obsess about it like a psycho and I'll mm. like lay in bed at night and freak out and worry and I have anxiety attacks about things that I said six <sighs> months ago because that's how my ism sort of presents itself in my life, right? Yeah. So like that sort of sounds like hell on earth to be caught between those two places where you're super public about everything that you do, yeah. but also incredibly susceptible yeah. to criticism, mm-hmm. you know, like personally, like emotionally as an alcoholic, you know, it's, that's gotta be tough, man. Yeah. Well, well seeing Bob Dylan get <laughs> booed off stage, right? it actually helped me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because like he was like, he's the greatest right? and he literally had half of the crowds hating him that's right because he was being really for lack of a or for i think the the best way to describe what he was doing was like honest sure wait a minute so when he was playing concerts half the people were... as soon as he went electric yeah yeah oh, a lot but of people that was upset. for a short period of time yeah yeah i mean yeah. He, i mean honest i mean but 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 it caused him to not tour for eight years mm. yeah he like had to like and it just gave me some level of comfort just knowing that like when you're doing something new and different you're gonna be misunderstood yeah i mean i can see i think trying to find the balance has got to be tricky right of like what is misunderstanding and what is fair and susceptible like what what's good feedback that you can take right and and yeah 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 yeah. yeah, i think when you get to a certain point it's really tough to kind of pick the message out of what people's whether it's you know constructive criticism or not, I think that all criticism can be constructed if you view it through the right lens. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, for sure. I have a pretty cool example that I want to show you right now. Okay. Sorry. I, 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 it's sometimes it's hard to like, um, like because you know Nick's not really online at all, so you don't really get a chance no. to see what we're what's going on, but. And I won't see what people say about this, so I'm happy. Yeah, but like that's just, the key. Just, that's the key to happiness. But I think pay off the internet. But it is important to know that obviously, by you can see there are people here. It is important to know that like there's way more support, love, understanding, gratitude, and people getting inspired, and there's way more of that. It's just that the the negativity and the drama is a little louder. It, yeah, it has a tendency to draw more attention. Does it strike a nerve if it's something that feels maybe like it's? I'm I'm like real? pretty much immune to it. 
But like, <laughs> yeah, at this point. So check this out. Me and Danielle, this is, this is a good. Dan, did you know this has like 250K? This one of me and you talking? No. So here, watch. This is this is the video. It's kind of meant to be whatever. Do you want to go kayaking or do you want to do a hot air balloon? I'm down to do well, whatever. Well, if we do a hot... Just, well, I want to know if you want to do a hot air balloon because if you do, then it's like 500 bucks and I'm, I'm, you're I'm, paying for it. So I'm down to pay. I just... I can't make any decisions. Like, Why can't you, you make a decision if you want to do a hot air balloon or not? Because I live in a dark, depressing world in my brain and I can't think about the future because it brings me crippling fear so just work it out with veronica and i will just go just drag me with you <laughs> just i wouldn't pay for it whatever anything i'll sit in the hotel room i will go to lunch i will kayak and or i will just sleep on bed all day you want to go so that's obviously like kind of like meant to be a little funny and i'm poking fun at like my disease right? sure sure so someone wrote I did not like this man until this moment. Finally, we see Pat. I feel like he got mad real. I think we need to fire his content creator. <laughs> so I, 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 you can respond to comments on TikTok, right? So okay. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen messages like this. They're one of my favorite messages to get because I love when people change their mind about me or anything for that matter. But I think we need to be less judgmental and... Um, not form opinions on whether we like or dislike people based on one minute clips of them on the internet. So but I have a little example. You get so, it? Yeah, yeah. I I feel like honestly, it's interesting to hear you post. Like you took a lot of time to film that video and then reply to that comment. Not at all. Or, but you, you took M- the time to do minutes, it. Minutes. Yeah. And I just feel I can't help but feel like it is kind of fair game no like if you're posting oh, yeah. content online and that's why i reach i shared it because I, I love when people um change their mind i right. love when i that's like what i'm here to do is change and grow and see different like like is it possible for someone who's anti-vax to to open their mind and go get a vax yes like that's everything bro so when that happens i want to like share it and say let's all have a more open mind and not jump to conclusions so i'm trying to actually like like help do some work change, change. the internet a little bit and I help mean, people i i hear you but at what cost right because like it's kind of not only is it a freedom fighter bro but, but like, whatever the cost, the cost <laughs> my, my it, life it, my life there my, is no cost it's everything my life is a gift like I, I i made this decision a long time ago like for me to even be alive i shouldn't be or whatever right. i feel like i'm lucky it's like got a second chance so i almost feel like i need to live every day like it's my last and see how much how, how much can i actually affect change and 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 do whatever I can to to help people. Even like you, I love that you said at what cost because like that's what learning to lose is all about. It's all about being willing to sacrifice how I look right. for the greater good. I yeah. know it sounds like grandiose. Or I mean, whatever. it does, but I understand. I'm, I understand where you're coming from, and that's what yeah. that's what like gives me fuel to keep going. Be- and, and I'm so grateful because like I actually have seen it. It started. It start. It's working, and it is helping people who feel the same way. 
Sure. There's so many people out there that feel not good enough and they feel like they can't think about things because they have a lot of anxiety and, and TikTok is cool because there are a lot more people getting honest about that stuff and like, you know, sometimes it's corny and they like will cry or like there's this one guy who has like I just discovered recently he's talking about like he's like this super popular fun creator guy and he just literally just went on the other day and he was just like yo I'm like I don't really want to be here anymore I'm struggling financially I mean paralyzing fear like I never really seen that before right but it's like starting to happen Mm. and you know this is this thing about like humans like evolve together like like we were talking about this earlier it's funny this is sort of becoming the theme like Bob like dude like Lewin Davis it wasn't just him it was Bob Dylan and a bunch of other people right right like art and 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 people evolve together whoever gets credit for it is irrelevant because like there are a lot of people becoming more transparent online I'm just sort of trying to make it a brand I'm, I yeah I mean it's happening no, for sure. That's kind of the most bizarre thing about it, right? Is that it does work because you're you're there's a a personal connection that you can have with people all over the entire world with your transparency. When I was asking at what cost, I meant in the sense of living that life, you have to constantly be practicing acceptance, right? Because what you're trying to describe is such an uphill battle. You're not going to change the minds of the majority of these people. Let's just call it what it is, right? Well, yeah, but that's – I don't usually do that. Right. Like, that was just right. like a once in a – I'm mostly just No, doing... no, no. I, I'm asking you specifically. Like is it difficult to exist in that space where you're consistently – and I mean obviously, look, working in any sort of recovery capacity, trying to help people is an uphill battle. Right. It's tough. It's tough work. Mm. It's thankless work in a lot of instances. People don't mm. always stay clean. As a matter of fact, more often than not, they get loaded at least a couple of times, right? Yeah. I think the national average is like four times in treatment or something. It's horrible right. outcomes. I heard it was um, seven. God, I hope not. I hope it didn't get worse. <laughs> um, but I feel like leaving yourself that exposed mm. in an effort from my perspective is kind of a fool's errand. If I'm being honest with you, I understand where you're coming from. But when you say like, it sounds grandiose, it's because it is. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no, there's no chance that you're going to get people to change their minds because people believe what they believe. They're not going to, not from a minute long. Yeah. Maybe not, but it's okay. I'm more so just trying to reach people who, who want it. Who, right. Yeah, who right, I right, can. Right. And, and also building a brand. It's not, I'm, this isn't a selfless thing. I'm selling merch. Um, fucking right. me and my wife are growing. We're 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 like influencers. We're just like a different brand of influencer. And I always look for like an original, uh, unique lane. I don't want to be like other people. And I found it. And like, it's fun. Right. And I mean, I do kind of feel like I need a little break sometimes. <laughs> like I'm like yeah, pretty like exhausted sometimes, but. Right, but you're helping a lot of people. No, it's crazy, and it's bringing. It's like it's, really, it's helping. No, but like you don't know. Like people don't really know. I mean, sometimes I'll reshare some of the messages, mm-hmm. but I only reshare some. Of, it's like profound. a lot. It's profound. I've never witnessed someone get so many. I mean, I and thanks to him, like I get them too. You know, like we right. have so many people that and this send is just us the first year personal messages of like, like you are you you got me sober. 
Yeah, it's insane. It's really insane to have. I, and I remember when I was getting loaded, like here's a really good example of yeah. something that was super small. So I was watching, I was strung out bad. It was like right at the, right at the very end. I must've been 19 or something. Mm. And I was living in my mom's attic and I was shooting heroin all day constantly. And, uh, I remember watching, I want to say it was the clerks Two DVD that I had. Mm-hmm. And I remember at, I had been watching it so many different times because I was just sitting there loaded. I find out I like wind up going into the special features and I'm watching all the little things. And one of them there, Jason Muse, who's a recovering addict, talked about how on the set of previous movies, like the Jay and Silent Bob movies and stuff that they did, every time he played that character, he was on a different substance and how he was finally sober. And uh, one of the guys that like worked on the film. Um, was sort of like, hey, keep it up, man, like super. And you could tell that that guy had a huge emotional vestment in his success and in his sobriety. Mm -hmm. That tiny little 15-second clip out of the back of this DVD has stuck with me still to this day because Mm -hmm. it gave me a splash of hope. In that moment, I was super hopeful (laughs) that my life could be different. So I get it, and I commend you for it because it is... It is insane, man. It makes me yeah. my my hands get sweaty when I think about <laughs> reaching the amount of people that you do. Yeah, being it's... that susceptible and open to the world is it's insane. Yeah, I guess I just always was like on some like punk rock, extreme daredevil type shit. I've always <laughs> been that guy, right? And right. like with the music thing, touring, you get a lot of it with that. So you learn how to like you learn how to like navigate it there and then you know i it's just i've never experienced it on this level though and and, and it's one thing when they're like talking shit about like a song or right. like something you're wearing but now it's like your character it's like my wife right. my life my marriage yeah. my business that is so dear to my heart but it's like it's just the same it's just like people are people and not everyone should agree has there has there been anything um, that stood out like consistently enough for you to do work on yourself, like from this, mm. just like attacks? Um, you know what I mean. Like what I mean is, well, enough people call you an asshole before you're like, am I an asshole? You know, like one of those things. Yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing, dude. Is I'll look back on like videos I made a year ago when this first started, like really going up and I can see my ego like I can see in the video that I'm like I just have sort of a like a arrogance about how I'm saying what I'm mm. saying right yeah. I, I notice it yeah. um, I mean but like I don't know if other people saw that then or whatever but like it just kind of like to to be able to like say something that's personal and to be, yeah, I think that I would like to just try to like say things from a place of like, this is just my opinion and this is just what I think and I don't know everything. Right. That's kind of the energy I want to be putting off. And I think I actually do that pretty well. Like I don't really ever, say like this is what it is like even like with the cali sober thing i was like yo teach his own <laughs> like i'm not even mad if if you're right. happy and you're and you smoke weed like cool like right. that's not what worked for me like i always try to take that like and i just feel like that's why it's so crazy because if you really saw like everything like you would be like 
kind of like probably confused too. But like I think right. what it is is the I think what it is really it, it's the open marriage thing. Yeah. It's the I, wife. I can see it's that. the relate it's like me like poking fun at like us which by the way like we don't it's just not we literally do not like, they don't hook up with other act people. on that at all. Yeah. It's almost right. become just like a thing that we talk about because mm-hmm. we know it will like um, do well on the internet. But it, but we are free. We don't sure. own each other, and that's the whole thing. But like that, like really triggers a lot of people. And then like you know, especially women who have been cheated on, right? Yeah. And they see me a certain way, and then and then if they're sober on top of that, and they find out like I got a sober, now they're really like. So right. I feel like, you know, and then maybe like I'll show something with me and her like, and they're just not used to seeing like a husband and wife talk the way they would talk when no one's around. They're not used to seeing that. So they assume that it's like overly aggressive, but I'm sure that there's times where you're talking to your wife where if the whole world saw that one little clip, mm. they'd probably think you were like some abusive person just because you're like having a moment yeah I that know moment my wife's a lawyer i'm not gonna play with her like that she'll well, kill me. or or but i know what you mean versa. i do know what you mean i'm right? sure there's, there's clips yeah, yeah, taken yeah. out of context right. of her talking to you where she just seems like horrible well look i'll level with you i think so much about what you guys have done here made me uncomfortable initially when i first started to see it and hear about it mm. because like i'm a member of alcoholics anonymous right my recovery is anonymous in nature i love my anonymity i love yeah. that i can go into a room and that what i discuss in there stays there totally my deficiencies my defects they don't follow me into the world so aa has always been a tool for me to exist in the world whereas you are sort of making your recovery and your community the tool that allows you to exist right and and that's really unique because it's a part of your identity and Mm. i guess i think that activates like a stress response in people because i think if i was super super open and transparent the way that you are what happens if and when i screw something up what if i relapse right um so, you would post that. Yeah. There's no way. It's, right? It's, it, this it, is, it's it makes okay. me nervous just thinking about that. But like, Eventually, but, I would come around and I would be honest. Right, right, But in right. the moment, like, yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. to Tijuana and we're going to rage well, for a while. Yeah. That's actually... Tijuana. Bro, that's actually my whole thing, bro. That's my whole thing. It's like, don't just wait till it gets better. Because right. then it won't be an authentic... It won't really help people in the same way. If you're in it, Right. Like this kid right now who's talking about his pain and his anxiety and how he's broke and stressed out and suicidal, like he's in it, bro. Mm. Yeah. And it like it's real. I'm feeling it and I'm like, whoa, like I'm really not alone. Right. So I don't know. I, I honestly like I've been questioning whether the anonymity thing is healthy. In general, like is it is it healthy like to I feel like it it like accelerates the shame or it, it like uh on a certain level like this is all like we're just human the human race isn't ready to be where i think we should be yet which is cool but i think the goal should be like to like like uh diminish the shame by like not being so hidden in the shadows yeah it's I a, mean, it's yeah. a crazy concept. I know it's hard to wrap I your think, head around it. Look, like, I, but I think it's it's it can be a pitfall, right? The yeah. anonymity for me is important because 
being in recovery is not my identity. I'm in recovery so I can have an identity aside mm. from just like a gutter junkie, right? Yeah. So for me, it was always a tool. Yeah. And again, I think that a lot of people, it's sort of that idea behind like time worship in the rooms, right? When you hear people talk about 10, 20 years, then they get loaded and they think about immediately trying to get that 10 years back. And yeah. it's this incredibly daunting task. And that's where there's this movement of people that don't count days anymore. They're just sober just for today. So oh. I can understand it from kind of all these different angles. But for me, when you put that as a part of your identity, you have to be willing to accept all that comes with that, right? And so when you're putting out the good, the bad, and the ugly, or you're, you're saying things that emotionally activate or trigger somebody, that's their truth and their reality as well. So yeah. like, it's got to be difficult because I know you, right? I know that you're a good guy. That's why I'm here. Right. And I've I've seen from afar you guys get like just kicked in the teeth over and over and over. And I can never figure out why. Because I'm one of those people, like I just came over and toured. The first day that I heard something, you know, oh, that that place is super bad, I just drove over here. It's like 20 minutes from my house. Right. Like, okay, you know, I'll come check it out. Yeah. Um, not at all. It was like a really solid community. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, like it was, it was, it's working. And, yeah, and we don't take insurance. We don't do detoxes. <laughs> we, ha- we, 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 if anything, we're trying to uphold. To, we're trying to be like to a higher up, standard, to the highest, highest, because there's a bright light and a target on yeah. us. We have to. Yeah, you kind of have. Which to. Which is kind of dope. Right. I love it's, that. It's almost forced us. Yeah. To be like, okay, wait, like, <laughs> there's leftover meds from whatever person who was here, like, yeah. gone, gone out of the house. Right, right. Like, I don't know, just like little things. Plus, we have like Michaelis and different people that are helping us who come from like Liberty House, which is like really, really gnarly. Um, I mean, the same standard we're holding the people in the what house. What do you mean gnarly? To, Structured? Yeah, like, like just intense. like, yeah, like okay. just no, like, like if you exaggerate something, you're lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no, like and if we're expecting that from them, we better be living by that too. Yeah, it's like behavior modification, right? Yeah, yeah right. but like we're we need to be on that level. Like we can't right. be up there preaching like mm-hmm. look at your defects and like change. Like I'm talking about my buddy called me out on some shit the other day and it was hard to hear. But yeah. I need to like look at that. Like I can't just be like I'm not but with this kind of a structured sober living like I, my friend texted me the other day like why do all these places become cults i guess there's been a few i don't know what well i don't know he sent me some interview about some some article about es oh i think i saw that yeah too. and for then, like youth right it was i don't a, know but then there's a like, youth-based program but then there's like uh um i, I don't know what why he said that um oh oh it does seem pro- like that. promises was just called a cult or something on apple news my friend sent it to me damn i i think people are just starting to like i, I don't know and then there's like synanon which is actually where all this started to be honest with you have you heard of that yeah yeah but like i i think the reason that that can happen and i feel like even like liberty house had elements of it that were like culty because like you have this leader guy who's not looking at right. his shit Right. So I've made it a very, I've made a very conscious, like, it's like openly known and I want to always talk about it amongst my staff. Like we're all like, it's almost like a board of, it's like, I want this to run kind of the same way AA runs. 
to a certain degree. Like I don't want to be like some leader. Like I want to run right. stuff by trusted servants. Like mm-hmm. I want to like we're all servants of this house and whatever the greater good is. And the structure and the peers are really the agent of change. Like we're just kind of like guardrails. And it, I feel like as an alcoholic, my ego could get out of control and I could start waving my tyrann- tyrannical yep. right. wand. And there's like 30 people under me and like they're living. And it's like a, it's like I could see where it could spin out of control if you don't right. have like that board. Like we're a, on a board where it's like, okay, can Daniel go to New Jersey? I don't know. Let me call Michaela and see what he thinks. Yeah. Let's all talk about where he's at. Let's have a house meeting and let the peers decide with mm-hmm. us. Like, right. where is he at in the house? Like, let's decide together. I, I, don't, I let the structure do its job. Like, I don't really want to become – I don't know why we're talking about this right now. But you're making an interesting point because that's exactly what a cult leader would say, right? That's like the most Jim Jones Whoa. thing you could have said. It's really? like, I'm not the leader. Yeah. I never wanted it's to be really a leader. Smart. I don't want to be, right? It's, it's really smart it's kind and manipulative of, yeah, it's on like my a part because I, I want everyone to think they have the power, right. but really at the end of the day, it's, it's up to me. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, I really mean that though. But what we're talking I, about- I'm not just saying it. Like You see, like I don't really make a lot of decisions. No, but you're calling. responsible for the culture. Right. You're responsible for the way that this place feels. You're mm. responsible for- the the sort of organic flow so, of this community that's what makes it culty you're like you like um surprise me i love it <laughs> i love that he just said that i love that he's like that's what a cult leader would say it's so perfect <laughs> i'm not calling you a cult leader yeah, i'm just saying like no, it no you're nobody right. ever signs up because People can see through that, right? Yes, but but if you're actually doing that and you're not just saying it, yeah, that's the way to be. And right. and the difference is is that's actually what we're doing here. And you can see it at dinners. You can see it when we're doing house meetings. Yeah, you can see it when we're making decisions on a group chat. It's not really. And and I think the opposite is true with this other sober living that I went to, and some of the other ones who have like a very clear. Head. like yeah. this is the leader right and it almost right. feels like when he walks in the room right you can like feel it like when i walk in the room i'm like joking and i'm like i don't really know like i'm almost trying to be like i feel like i'm too soft on these these the, the residents honestly so am i i have i don't know it's hard for me you know yeah yeah so yeah. that's where it's like hey johnny i don't know what to tell you bro like i have to give you the lying strike because you lied like what, right. Like I don't know what to tell you, dog. Like I'm yeah. trying to help. I'm trying to like go to bat for you, bro. But you're making it hard for me. Right. It's tricky, right? Like you're 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 trying to, I think, embody sort of the ideal treatment provider because it doesn't ostracize anybody or keep anybody from coming in. Right. Uh, but also at the same time, you were the main spokesperson for your brand. Yeah. So it might be perceived by people if you're taking this stance of like you don't know what you're doing but you surround yourself with people that do but if the world never gets to see those people then sort of the the conversation is going to immediately be like well this guy doesn't know what he's doing right why is he in that position? yeah well i'm not really like saying that a whole lot and i do know what i'm doing but i think that 
I'm open to learning more. And I think that like, as soon as you think you know everything, like you can't ever learn anymore. And I want to be like a sponge and I want to yeah. have humility. Yeah. Yeah. I want to have humility. I want to have an open mind. And I also want to be open to like where we can like make modifications and evolve with the time. So like, for sure. You got to be a student. Yeah. This space in particular, it's a man, trip. you have to be a student because like sober livings and then intensive outpatient programs, detox residential, they're all their own animal in their own right, right? So not only, you know, legally and ethically the way that we have to operate in California, the things that we have to do, but the way in which you make the most successful version of it is so different depending on, you know, what level of care you're in. Like in sober living, your main goal, you have a weird business model, right? Because your ideal client is never going to come back to you. Your best customer never, ever comes back. Right. Right. So you're designing a system that is supposed to push your customers out slowly but surely right. over time. Yeah. That's kind of the anti-business model. Right. But, right. but they're going to go out and meet a bunch of people and... No, it, you're right. It'll it, it, create yeah, like it a, creates that culture. It creates the brand like you were discussing. Yeah. But the culture that runs a sober living incredibly well is not the same that's going to run a detox incredibly well. Mm. Right. A detox is much more, at least, you know, traditionally is much more focused on behavior modification because people were using yesterday. Right. So they're, they're so much closer to those decisions and the no cell phones and, and all this, you know, all these things that kind of exist in that space. Wow. It's going to be different here. Are you a part of groups? What do you mean? At your treatment center? Um, yeah, no. Runs, well, sometimes you, you'll... Well, I, I, every once in a while, if I need to cover for somebody. Um, huh. But uh, no, not anymore. Not but anymore. you did. Yeah, but I also now, we have people that are much, much better and smarter than me running groups. Whoa. You know, And are they like pointing out... Like how are the... How are the... Are there like rules and structure and like chores? Like how are they? Like- At a detox? No, there's not. No, there's a tremendous amount. We're licensed through the state of California, so oh. it's, imagine the things that you do here. Wow, because in it my feels mind, like it's I just right picture. Do. Imagine like, but like I'm, I imagine like people in beds, like barely like able to do anything. No, getting right. So they so go wait. to group even even while they're detoxing. I think. Sometimes there's a little bit of a grace window if you're really going right. through it. But there's also a doctor. They're going to give a medication you know so what? it's manageable tripping, and tolerable. Like, I went um, to fucking treatment before yeah. I went to – and there was a lot of group. But it was more like trauma work with like therapists about like my mom and my history. And like it right. wasn't like why didn't you – like you're lying. Mm. Like it wasn't like pointing out the actual character. Yeah. Here's, here's what I believe about a good treatment center. Um, when you're looking at clinical programming, right, the different types of group that you run, the different types of sessions that you offer, the different specialties, whatever they are, it's impossible, even with a really healthy pre-assessment, right, you have a clinician do an assessment, determine eligibility, bring somebody in, you're confident that you're equipped to treat that person. You have to be in this space because if you weren't, you shouldn't take them. That's kind of an irresponsible thing to do. When you bring them into treatment, you're always going to be throwing darts at the board. So my goal has always been throw as many darts at the board as possible in the hopes that something is going to stick. Because I think about my time in treatment, I remember some groups, some I don't remember at all. I remember certain therapists, others I can't even think of their name. Mm. Some things stick out to me where others don't. 
And I think it's different for every single person that goes through. Hence, eight to ten hours a day, we're trying something. Oh, try try this. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, we're going to do EMDR today. Oh, you didn't really respond well to that. Okay, mm. next we're going to do CBT, and then we're going to do DBT, and we're going to do yoga and Reiki and all these other things to try and find out what's going to work for the long term. Yeah. Right? Because, again, it's the same the same concept that, like, I want to figure out something that you can do for the rest of your life, something that's sustainable. Um because it's not always going to be AA. It's not always going to be smart or refuge right. or celebrate or whatever they do nowadays, right? Um, I wish Chris was here. Who's that? Chris Howard, dude. The guy from Ethos. Oh, from Ethos, yeah. yeah. God, you guys would have a fucking feel. It would be such a good podcast. Billy, <laughs> do you have any questions? No. It sounds like you're having a real in- industry well, intense let's, conversation. Let's, let's, yeah. let's pivot. Sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> let's pivot i want to pivot because i i'm sure billy i'm sure you have some i had some but they went away but you have any questions danielle no because i gotta go to the bathroom real quick okay so will you ask, ask me something ask him something. it's gonna be I'll dead air i'll go ahead and talk so how much sober time do you have coming up on eight i mean how long have you been in this industry Seven. What? Seven years. Yeah. How did you just get one year sober and then just jump I started in? working as an overnight tech at a treatment center. Right. And you were just like, I, this is. I loved it. Wow. It was everything I ever wanted to do. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, man. What I do dug you think, it. Billy? It's kind of hard to imagine him as a junkie. Um, well, <laughs> That's like, I always trip on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Appreciate or or you probably would have been one that I would have definitely loved to like hang out with because we could have probably been really productive. Yeah, but I probably would have stolen your wallet at some point. Mm, I would have ruined it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm a real one. That's, <laughs> yeah, you were like a sneaky like yeah. you did, you probably didn't yeah. have you you didn't have like money. No. No. So you had to like fucking get figured out yeah dude right yeah 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 i had like i, I could like milk my dad you know or like whoever it was or for right. check or lie or no not me wow. <laughs> definitely not me sleeping outside go to the bathroom don't worry i'll talk we'll keep it going yeah so my question here from way back in the beginning was it seems to me like what you're doing would be very stressful, like a lot of fucking stress. Because how many centers did you say you had? Um, currently, there's three. Three. And you're like the owner, the partner, the... Owner, yeah, CEO, owner. I've, I have other partners, but I'm the operating partner. So I'm the guy that deals with all the, the day-to-day. So it's a not... You don't seem stressed out, but it seems like that would be a hard... That, like, what is the word? It would, it's a large undertaking... It yeah, seems to me. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. Uh, so what do you uh, use? Principle? Like, are you an AA or an NA? Or what, what kind of A are you? AA. Yeah. Okay. It worked. Um, yeah. A little bit. I think just old school and traditional was kind of exactly what I needed. Same here. When I, I was got a druggie, but a, I tried all the A's, and A just stuck for me. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. black and white. If you do this, this will happen. And I think... I really needed to keep it simple when I got sober. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in regard to, it is a large undertaking. But I also think that um, 
when you surround yourself with really good people that share the same drive and motivation, Mm -hmm. like we legitimately want to see people get better. We're all in recovery ourselves. This when is you say we, your partners? No, like the entire center, all the way down to mm. support staff, everybody, right? It, it is a community that holds each other up. Just when you say entire center, up. there's so many working parts there. It just It's a little, like, overwhelming to me to imagine how you would even operate. Yeah, it's... Uh, now that I think about it, that's me. You it's know, difficult. I'm the plant yeah. guy. Billy's you know? the plant guy. He, like, literally can't even do his... Nope, his... <laughs> His accounting. Uh, I do it, but I don't I like it whatsoever. I know. I did it today, and I hate it. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot, for sure. Um, yeah. But I love it, man. Like, I wouldn't really have it any so other way. Are you like a type A personality? I mean, the two of you <laughs> just went kaboom, and I couldn't even say a word, so I'm just assuming that... I think so. You're yeah. very engaged. I think so. I'm just trying to get mm-hmm. a feel for you, that's all, because I don't know you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely one of those people where... Um, I can't stand being stagnant. Mm. I, I don't... I have to consistently be moving forward. What about when you were uh, doing drugs? You were a different person, huh? I was, but not really, right? Like, oh. I was a drug addict, but, like, we were just discussing. I didn't have money. Every day oh. was, like, this oh, crazy yeah, the hustle. Yeah, all yeah, yeah. day, every day. That's, right? that's kind of fun back in the day when before you were ready to get sober is... Right. Uh, how am I going to do it today? Right. <laughs> you, 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 you use that, I'm sure, to, like... That's it's a certain kind of drive and problem solving and yeah yeah you, you have skills that you can apply and to, to do good now and it transfers for yeah, sure it's it a does. transferable skill as long as you can make sure that it serves you and it's not detrimental and I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls in my life today is when I do find myself getting stagnant I have to pay attention to it and I have to embrace it because it will translate as panic and self-deprecation and anxiety and stress right and i have to remind myself to sit in those moments yeah if if i'm not careful right if i'm not paying attention um it blows out of proportion just like anything else because i'm alcoholic in nature right so what blows out of a portion i'm not the feelings of anxiety that correlate with not progressing whether it's in my career or whatever it is i I always have to do something stagnation will flip yeah okay yeah 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 i'm just yeah me too me too i gotta go to god with that and you know what go ahead no keep going for me like I, I seem pretty chill, but I do have goals and aspirations. Mm-hmm. And daily, if I'm not getting enough done, I'll start to trip. But then I just got to remember, like, I don't think God really gives a fuck whether I'm opening a center or doing my job. I think he wants me to enjoy life. Sure. And so I just try to remind myself, like, I don't have to achieve anything. That's on me. That's my goal. It's not like... It's not a requirement. Probably a grand scheme. It's not very important. What's important is I have gratitude and I enjoy my life. Right. Right. And this is what, like, I need him. He's my sponsor. Right. One of my sponsors. I mean, he was for a long time. And when I had five, six years sober, I I heard him share and there was something about, like, you could just tell when he talks, you can just tell. I could tell something. I was like, okay. I need this in my life because right, I'm right. like the opposite, you know? And, and yeah. I think that's kind of like the capital truth, the cap with the capital T, like, and I'm actually realizing that more so today than ever. All we have is the moments and, and are we happy? 
like if we're always looking towards the future, you know, goals, aspirations, dreams, it's like I'm ready to start enjoying my moments. Yeah. We're old enough. Yeah. We, we've worked hard enough. It's time. Right. Right. And I feel like you're there there's times where you talk about like just enjoying nature and just feeling that gratitude. Literally stop Daily, and smell the roses. Been, I, I mean, I just look at my life and I'm so grateful. I mean, tomorrow I see my daughter. The next day I go in the ocean. My job is chill. Yeah. I like it. Right. Right. But I can, I'll still flip out, you know, but I got to, I, I need that higher power. I mean, just really need it. But another thing I thought was interesting, what were you guys saying about the social media? I believe there is a truth. And the more the, like, the closer to the truth you can get out there in the world, I believe in that. And I believe it's worth the risk. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, maybe that's stupid. That's, that's like my whole punk rock with a purpose. Well, that's thing. why I've stuck behind right. you. Because I do believe we're seeking the truth, and yeah. we might be wrong, and we'll probably get corrected, and then we'll expose it, right? I just, yeah. I just think it's, for me, it's, it, it's worth the risk of losing everything. I don't know why it's, it's a little bit lame, but yeah, no, but it makes sense. There, right? There's not, we're not going to lose everything, and and I think that initially, like, I get why you think it's so hard and scary but after you realize that like even you're he you're here but like in the beginning you were like yo like this is crazy like i need to just like it's scary and but then when you realize it's just like chatter and noise mm -hmm. and it right. really like to be honest with you bro like i i haven't it hasn't affected me at all yeah but like yeah. i don't know knock on wood you know whatever maybe it will one day I mean, look, maybe I'll have to fucking respond to someone with a lawyer or something, but like it hasn't yet. And I got to disagree a little bit, though, because we've been talking. We've been talking about it. Well, right? it's affected me personally. Right. I'm oh, saying you mean from a business. I'm standpoint. saying like the, the chatter about yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Okay. It's like, I'm sorry. It, it, what people think of me is none of my business. Until they tell you. <laughs> and then, and then maybe I should look at that, and maybe I can grow from that. But like people well, are, you just said something that's super, super important. I think, and that's oh, kind of yeah. what I was getting at. Like, if the silver lining in all of this is that you have this incredible sort of feedback machine, it's like this giant soundboard that, as you put yeah. your character defects into the world, people are going to respond to them in a much. For example, if you're just working with your sponsor and you're doing step work, that's a very intimate setting and it's so closed off and private that you can get so vulnerable and you trust that person implicitly. But again, it's like kind of that thing of like how many people are going to come up to you and call you an asshole before you start to believe it, right? So if you're doing something consistently over and over, this could be a catalyst to change in your own character, right? This can be mm -hmm. something that can drive you to to focus on those things and that's just super unique about your life normal people don't get that yeah do you know what i mean yeah i guess i guess when you have hundreds and thousands of people you know watching you kind of have to almost take like the average like like you have to like if there's if it's 70 or 80 percent like right on good job brother Mm -hmm. then you, 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 you kind of are like, okay, cool. And then um, I think most people 
do do things on, on online just to get like a attaboy. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and then they, and then they get that. Or know? just be a part of a team, right? Like if there's a, you know, hate Pat Ridge team, like I'll join it. I want to be a part of a team. People are lonely, man. Right. Oh, they don't right, have the right, same right. thing that we do. Right. Like I can come in here, everybody's in recovery, family, immediately. We have a language that we can speak to one another that not everybody has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, we take it for granted after a while. Oh, or we yeah. just don't think about it. It's really a gift. Dude, I, the other day I was driving. Yeah. I was in Montecito and down by the beach. There was a guy who had a, uh, an A symbol, the little triangle, the unity symbol. Um, and I was like, hey, friend of Bill? He's like, yeah, I talked to the guy for like 30 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. we were the best of friends. Yeah. Never seen this guy in my That's, entire life. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it on my drive home. I was like, I'm so grateful that I have that connection with people that I wouldn't otherwise, right? Um, and I think some people are so lonely. Like, people are they don't lonely, have church, man. They don't have AA. They don't. They don't have anything, yeah. right? Wow. And they they are desperately looking for a community. And if they so, like, you're providing a service in some respect, right? If they can all yeah. rally together to dog you out, then whatever. Right. Well, that, that's that's actually like another. <laughs> that's another reason that I wanted to do this whole like learning to lose thing was because my wife's not in recovery, but I feel like she's a part of this culture. And for people who aren't in AA, they can still like get back, get behind some of the stuff that we do, like with the vulnerability, with the honesty and, 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 um, humility and, you know, service work. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's by letting go of self that we can find peace. And like all these things we learn in AA, I think could benefit a lot of people. So I just felt like, that's everything for me. So I should be at least talking about it. What the fuck else could be more important to talk about? What kind of shoes I, I, I bought yesterday? Right. Mm. Yeah, I'll talk it, about it that is, too, yeah. though. It's interesting, man. Like the, the way that you produce the content, the way that you put it out there. I get why it rocks the boat sometimes. Right. right? I've seen some instances where I'm like, What? What are you doing? Really? Like what? Just I don't, stupid stuff, man. Whether it's a phone call that you're filming and that person wasn't aware, whatever. Right. Like, stuff like that. See, dude, I learned too, bro. And I feel like in the beginning, I was like way more wild. Right. Now I'm right. like, yo, I'm like realizing like I need to like be a little bit. There's some validity to that frustration, you know, for in a lot of different ways, right? Right. Um, I think <coughs> identifying where that validity ends and then finding the willingness to do something about those remarks that are valid, right? If yeah. you're making somebody uncomfortable with your content because it is inappropriate in nature, that's their truth, right? Yeah. You have no choice but to accept responsibility for that. And whether you change or not, it is the truth because that's their reality. You don't get to dictate how they feel or how they should interpret what you've put out, right? Dude, I feel like this is the first time we've ever had someone saying all the things that will make these people feel better which is amazing I, I like like you're saying stuff that all the all the people who are sort of like over here that aren't really down that are maybe on the fence mm-hmm. like will be will feel really good that like you're saying these things well, because there's still people man totally that's the important thing totally. to remember it's like you know, again, I don't think that anybody set out on this personal vendetta to hurt you guys. They just have maybe it's a misguided belief system, or they don't have the emotional intelligence to translate it differently, right? No, I think they want to hurt some. No, no, but no. Most... What I mean is, it didn't start that way. 
That's what I'm trying to get I at. I mean, the, yeah. it never starts that way. It builds, right? It builds, yeah. and it's they're sort of they have an idea, and then it's they're looking for reasons to to validate it, to prove it right, and then it just builds exponentially until now they have this like rock solid case that he's a bad guy or that this is a bad place, right? Yeah. Um, and people obsess. I well, we're talking like, about lots of individuals. They're they're all over the gamut of the range of right. Us, so. Yeah, I mean, can I ask you guys some more questions, personal questions? Would you mind? I'm of just course. curious. Please. So you guys are friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For how long? Years now. Years. Yeah. And you guys yeah. met in the industry, or yeah, or yeah. in meetings or something. And then how long have you known Pat? Uh, a couple years now, right? I was uh, originally met Pat was talking to. Uh, Ridge Productions about doing a video for one of my facilities. I mean, that's that's what I was. That was like my old main. That's what I was doing on the internet for years, and right. only that. And that was long before this was even an idea. Yeah, yeah. And I was. And this came on the radar, and at first you were like, "How did you find out about Graceland? Was it through social media?" Or oh, wow, I don't even think he knows. No, you don't get it. I. He's essentially my boss. I work for him. Okay. You didn't know that? Well, I was making some connections because we don't talk about this stuff, you know? Right. right. But I was making some connections in my secret brain, but I no one told me. <laughs> yeah, da- Danielle. What other been, connections da- are you making? Danielle's <laughs> been working with Nick for a couple years now. A lot longer than before I even was, was in this, working in this industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was actually just thinking of Danielle, and I had this like overwhelming amount of gratitude and like i thought of like you know she's worked with a lot of different people right in this industry some not so and i'm just being her friend and someone who cares about her i think it's really awesome that she's landed like with you and then like with me and like we're we're good people like i I don't want to make myself sound like whatever but like you know like we communicate like like we i care like you know there's a lot of um I don't know, like, just not the greatest people. Mm-hmm. No, that, honestly, man, that's what's blown my mind so much about this whole thing. Because I do know you personally. Yeah. There are so many scumbags <laughs> in this space yeah. that make you seem like Dr. Drew. Right. For real. Well, Pat does care. I, I mean, know. anybody who knows Pat knows he cares. He legitimately cares. He'd give you yes. the shirt off his back, and that's clear. Yeah. Not only that, but, like, this is not a place... I know... I. I you hear these like horror stories, but like I'm a consultant. I've literally like seen it firsthand where yeah. people are going to a house and everybody's, you know, smoking weed and they're drinking and they're doing whatever they want. They're That's paying ins- each other to go to some sketchy detox stuff that is like felony level behavior right. that people should go to prison for. Right. And yet you're you're on the forefront of all this controversy because of TikTok. I'm Whoa. like, yo, like guys, there's I understand. Maybe, maybe you take personal issue with it. Maybe his approach doesn't resonate with that's, you directly. That's so frustrating. But there are people mm-hmm. committing felonies every yeah. day. In Why this don't they industry? attack them? Why don't, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they don't know. They don't know who they are. Well, and they're they're quiet, and right? It's always the quiet ones. And that, that's actually, you're loud, so you have a target. Well, that's another crazy thing that I've always thought. Like, if you're at the airport and a guy. Is got a bunch of tattoos and is dressed loud. Like he's the last guy that's smuggling drugs through the airport. No shit. Right. Right. right so right. I've always felt like, isn't that common sense? Like if I was doing dirt, yeah, I wouldn't be online. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I feel like people sh- wouldn't. People- but they're not using common sense. Their attention is just wherever your attention is. That's where you go. 
I, I guess like right because you're right here when they're on social media this is the whole existence of their world yeah. it's a screen like this far in front of their face right can i ask another question no, i'm just curious about <laughs> this nick right yeah nick nick <laughs> so how did you go from no money to three facilities and money and success all within what seven or eight years yeah from um drug addict getting sober mess to where you're at now can you can you do like a quick synopsis? I mean, I guess, man, I, it's going to sound, I suppose, probably really cliched, but at the end of the day, it's just hard work. I'm tremendously good at what I do, right? Like I started working, you know, uh, as it's a gotta technician. got to be more than that because people work hard and get nowhere for years. So what, is it well, intelligence? I, I, I is think it... if I knew, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, if I knew, I would work their ass off and get nowhere. So if, um, if I knew, I would tell you. Right. It's one of those things where I think it's kind of an intangible. It's a combination of luck and circumstance and surrounding myself with the right people. It's one thing I've always done. Pat had touched on it earlier. Remain a student always. Always find your humility and surround yourself with people who have what you want. So that's what we do spiritually. We surround ourselves with sponsors who have what we want. But so why couldn't we do that professionally as well and mm-hmm. surround yourself with more and more successful people if that is something that you aspire to? Right. There's no shame if that's not that doesn't float your boat who cares so but. you have confidence did you have confidence before i mean do you come from a good background before i got sober. i don't know why it's you crack okay you crack me up i know oh. me too that's why he's so great <laughs> i know he's like um, he's just really honest no man my background is rough i'm from astoria oregon which is a like super small town where the goonies was filmed yeah um but prior to that i was oh, in vancouver so up there. yeah it's gorgeous and yeah. the, the heroin is fantastic <laughs> um if you ever want to try it. even more um, now i think yeah, it's yeah. supposedly uh my my cousin lives there he says it's just awful i mean people are just they're dying junkies the everywhere place. yeah that's awful it's, but like it's terrifying awful as far as the drugs drug. the drugs are good the life is awful yeah it's yeah. they're so good that it's awful right 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 and there's just so many people on drugs up, up there where he lives yeah no it's yeah. it's a huge problem um but yeah, so I mean, I guess, you know, I um, was raised by a single mother for the majority of my life. My dad split when I was young, very poor growing up. She did her best. You know, my mom worked three jobs to, to pay the bills. She would paint apartments in our apartment complex to get discounts on the rent. Um, spent a lot of time with my grandparents and stuff. Um, Were they successful, solid people? They're solid. I don't think that anybody in my family really you could gauge. what well, I suppose it, you know, depends on what you gauge success as. They're successful in that they're happily married. They're successful in that there's a lot of trust and love and admiration in my family. Financially, no. Nobody was ever successful. Um, but they're some of the best people in the world, my family. You know, And I'm still super close with them. I think my ability to get sober and that confidence was kind of instilled from them because even when I was strung out, they always told me they loved me. They always told me that I could do better, that I could grow, that I could change, that this didn't have to be what it looked like. Um, Dude, I, I just gotta like say there's like a lot of really good clips of stuff you've said. So oh, on I, this? I just want to ask, are you okay with us making content out of some of this? Sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you you've said some things. It's so funny. I saw Gary V. Oh, I was it's just like, thinking that. You know, no, I was literally just thinking like really? this is why he's successful because just listen to him talk. He's yeah. obviously really smart. You're really well spoken, but like more importantly, like you've been through enough to know like what the truth is and what like yeah. But like 
I just want to say that I think there's a lot of really good that can come from what we've just from some of the stuff stuff you've said about like the, a little bit about the industry, even just like hardworking. So I just we'll, we'll I guess if you want we can like run them by you first, or you, you're just like whatever. I don't have a TikTok, so I'll but I'm just I, basically <laughs> what I'm saying is like I want to sh- I want to respect you enough to at least be like you're cool with me posting this stuff. Yeah, sure, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, I'm cool with it, man. I you, think I believe in the message. You'd appreciate you what? I'd appreciate a heads up. Okay, cool. Um, just in regard to what it is, yeah, but yeah. I'm supportive of it because okay, cool. I do support the message that you yeah, said. Yeah, because you're probably the only person that we would like run it by. Just because you happen to work in the industry and the repercussions could be, so I'm gonna like run it by you, and you can be like, you know what, this is rad, but like take this little last part out, and we will. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that's that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Just um, in case we didn't get a chance to talk about that, and also now I have it recorded. So when you started on this journey, you just really like the work, the tech. I do. You, you well, didn't. You didn't see money signs. You just were no, into it. God, okay. No. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, I'm just asking. When I when I started, uh, I, the first center that I worked for, I made twelve bucks an hour. So I actually lost money because when I first got sober, I was waiting tables, um, and then I ended up towards the end, like the first year of my sobriety. Towards the end of it, I was waiting tables at Maggiano's at the Grove, that Italian restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, I would make like three hundred dollars a day. Nice. I could have done that forever, yeah. but like I didn't want it. I wasn't passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I was super passionate about working in this space because I wanted to give back what was given to me. Um, and so, yeah, literally working overnight shifts. I could sit around and talk to junkies. I love talking to junkies. That's all yeah. I ever want to do. Yeah. Like nine times out of ten, I would rather just be hanging out with junkies. Yeah. Do you still get to do that? Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things that I love the most is I go into the facility and I'll like, if staff is doing what they're supposed to do, I'll just go and sit with the clients. Always. I just hang Mm. out with them. Um, that's really neat. It's just the only, they're, they're my people. Do you know what I mean? They understand me. There's no, the only time I never feel social anxiety. Dude, that right there is everything because I think a lot of times people get into this industry and they automatically are like, okay, we're now working in it. We're above. And I've always felt like I have to remain an alcoholic. With, yeah. With them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the only reason that they would listen to me when I'm offering advice. Yeah. If they can believe that, like, trust me, dude, I've been there. This is that one situation in life where the grass, I promise you, is actually greener. My life today is so exponentially better than it was. And not just business, but the way that I feel about myself when I look in the mirror, the way that I, when other people look at me, that I'm not afraid of what they're going to see, right? Like these, like, sort of, like, cosmic issues that we feel when we're in active addiction are gone. They're out of my life today. I forget sometimes, you know, I take it for granted, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible, you know? It's it's so when I'm talking to somebody, I want them to trust what I'm saying. You know, I re- it's it's important. It is important. It's such a gift. You're like giving them you're like reaching into hell and giving them a like a hand, but the thing is they don't even realize they're in in hell until they get out of it, right? <laughs> right they know right, they're right. in pain, but yeah. they don't really know the the extent of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Somebody once told me, um, he's like, you know what it feels like when you have your spiritual awakening and you're in early recovery, right? And you kind of hit that pink cloud of sobriety, maybe, I don't know, 45, 60 days in, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, you know, it felt like I took off 
a 40 pound jacket that I've been wearing for the last decade Mm -hmm. that I forgot that I was wearing. Mm -hmm. Like you're, we get so comfortable being miserable that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you ever hear the experiment of like the, the frog and the Bunsen burner from back in the fifties they used to do. Where, so, the, where the water gets really... Yeah, so they would have these two Bunsen burners sitting on a table. Um, this is like in a science class. And they would take one, turn the Bunsen burner on, and the water would start to boil. And they'd take a frog and drop it in. And then the frog would jump out of the boiling water, right? They would take another one and put the frog in before in the cold water and then turn the Bunsen burner on. And as the water heated up and the water started to boil, the frog would just sit there because it was comfortable. As it got a little bit hotter, it got a little more comfortable. That's kind of the way that I feel about active addiction. I mean, it wouldn't jump out. It, it wouldn't. Died. It wouldn't jump out. It would mm. just die because it didn't have the shock to its system. It. It didn't. There was no fight or flight that got activated. Wow. And like when I started using, it was super, super fun, man. I loved mm-hmm. it. I loved everything about it. I loved getting high. The smell, the taste, the lifestyle. I loved it, mm. and it worked incredibly well. And then when it stopped working. I got a little more miserable. It was like a, a gradual. It, it, yeah. It's because it's, yeah. It, Before you know it, you're just... It doesn't yeah. just stop working. It's like a little oh, bit yeah. harder to get high, and then you lose a little bit, but then it's right. still kind of fun sometimes, and then it just slowly becomes maintenance. And then you get sober, and you're like, oh my God, how, do, how was I even alive? Like, how do I exist in that space? It's crazy. The, the, it's such the, a crazy The, the thing. problem for me, I think, is most people, or maybe not most, m- most of the people here, okay? See, not everybody needs sober living or treatment to get sober. Right. But the ones that do are like, I think they're like a different breed. I don't know yet if there's like levels to this or different like, do you think that they're different? Like, do you think that some alcoholics are worse than others? No, I, I don't. I think that alcoholics are alcoholics. I think that the underlying issue, yeah. whatever it is that was sort of right. the reason they, they started drinking alcoholically in the first place. And by the way, when I say drinking, it could be anything, copy, yeah. paste, whatever substance. That varies, right? People okay. respond to trauma. They carry trauma differently. And I think that addiction is always a symptom of trauma. Right? Okay. So this is really, I get, this is where I'm about to get excited. So first I want to establish is alcoholism in your opinion, just the physical allergy and the mental obsession, or is it also like the, the kind of fault finding negative mind, selfish, self-centered, self-seeking selfishness was the root of all our troubles is that alcoholism or is it just the physical allergy and the mental obsession so that's a really good question um because you're kind of asking do i believe it's if it's a disease or not right um uh no i'm not asking that i'm asking if you think that that those attributes are a part of the disease i do i do at least for me for right. me, they yeah, but are. All, but what about but, all people? Do you know having... how I know? Because <laughs> I haven't had a drink in almost eight years, and I still struggle with those okay, things. Okay, but that's They you. still manifest. Yes, yes. So again, all of this is just, all. that's all I can speak on. Yeah, right? but you've seen a bunch of people who aren't alcoholics who have those same symptoms. Yeah, except they don't kill themselves the way that I do. But the only reason they kill themselves is because they have a physical allergy. No, 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 not necessarily. I mean, I'm talking like actual suicidal ideation, plan and intent, obsessive to the point where I can't 
do things. I have to stay home and curl up in a ball because I'm so miserable. Okay, right? so so this is why I'm bringing this up. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> you know, prime time. Yeah. So prime time. They record all the meetings. You yeah. can't swear when you're. But sharing. yeah, yeah. But it, yeah. that that meeting is where I was introduced to this 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 whole idea of like alcoholism being like the spiritual malady. Right. Like selfishness, self-centeredness, fault finding, um, all that stuff. Like that's my disease. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then Michaelis started taking me through the book again. And he's, he, he's very much a big believer in like the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's where it started. That's the truth. And then Bob wrote, the 12 and 12, 10 years later, because alcoholics are unsatisfied and they wanted more. Yeah. And it's, it's only in, it's only in that book where they talk about alcoholism. He only talks about like the, the, um, the same, uh, instincts, human instincts, like gone, like, like, um, exaggerated in alcoholics, which is what makes us alcoholics is those mm-hmm. human instincts being, you know, the sex instinct, the fear, the, um, survival instinct. These are, they're accelerated in alcoholics, which makes us alcoholics. Okay. That's according to Michaelis and according to the big book, that's actually not true. What the big book says is that alcoholism It's real simple. It's a spirit. It's a, it's a, a mental obsession and a physical allergy to alcohol. That's alcoholism. Right. Now, right. because we drank and used for so long, we probably have a little bit more trauma than others. Some, and, and, and we have issues that normal people have that aren't alcoholics, mm-hmm. but we're like lumping that in with the physical allergy and the mental obsession just because we're alcoholics and we think we're special. When the truth is alcoholism is only those two things this other shit is things all people struggle with. I can, I can respect that. The spiritual malady, the spiritual malady part of the big book of this process. Yeah. Like the big book is crazy. And and, and it's like, it's like, it's like, okay, cool here. We're going to show you that your disease is this. Okay. Now we're going to address the spiritual malady. So you have a chance at staying sober. Because if you don't fix that part, you're probably going to go back to the drinking and using, but that's not alcoholism. I, okay, that's fair. I that makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. And yeah. I suppose yes, if you were going to break it down, because I do concur that everybody suffers from that. I think that any given person that exactly. you talk to has some sort of spiritual malady. Yes. I think the difference again is is sort of how there how it affects, like at least for me, my ability to exist in the world and live life on life's terms. Right? Those that that spiritual malady, as you describe it, can can end everything for me for sure i'm so cataclysmic in nature the way that i think about things is so powerful and intense that it can be detrimental to my growth and my life you know i i i've now come to believe that i think it's important as alcoholics that we don't make ourselves so special as to think that that's alcoholism that's something that a lot of people experience that aren't alcoholics you mean like feeling that infinitely way. What, unique. What, what you just described. Yeah. Yes. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. not limited. That's not alcoholism. Sure. So I just want to make that clear. And then I want to say that like these people are here because they're alcoholics, but they ha- their the spiritual malady that exists in them happens to be more 
profound or they had more trauma, which is why they can't get sober without sober living. Interesting. So now we need to help them grow and change and address their spiritual malady or whatever it is. Like some of them are liars, like because they use that as a coping mechanism, but it's not that, that, that him, you know, Caleb being a, a pathological liar, that's not his alcoholism. Right. We can look at that once we get him sober and we right. can help him see that he, can stops, he needs to stop lying. Yeah. But I just think that like, I don't want to get like, me and Michaelis really helped me see a lot of stuff. He's my other sponsor with 23 Years Sober who does this book work. Like, it's really crazy. He speaks a lot and he does book work with multiple people every day. And he has been for the past 10 years. So he's just mm-hmm. like... He does our book studies here. Three days a week and he helps out with uh, house meetings and stuff. But yeah, I think it was, a, it was kind of a, um, an interesting realization for me. And it's sort of like further like validated this idea that like we can speak to normal people and help them with their spiritual malady. Oh, absolutely. From what we've yeah. learned in AA. Yeah. We just got there right. because of our physical allergy and our mental obsession. Well, the way that I like to think about it is the reason that I'm so aware of my spiritual defects and the malady and, and the reason that I'm so willing to walk through and do the work is because I have to, I don't want to do that stuff. Right. Like I had to, to get where I am today to get over the alcoholism and the drug addiction. Right. So when I talk to like, for example, I talked to my mom who's normie, right? Um, she doesn't have a drinking problem. Never did. And doesn't use anything really. Um, a lot of the, like I'll find myself giving her AA advice because it's applicable in her life. Yeah. The difference is like, I took that advice to save my own life. Yeah. She takes it for quality of life. Yeah. Right. So, but, I, but once your life got saved and the, and mm-hmm. the physical and, and, and the obsession to drink and use was removed. Yeah. You actually can choose to deny all that stuff and not work on yourself and still stay sober. You and can we see it a lot yeah. in the program and yeah. in this industry. Yeah. So it's like you've conquered the disease part of it, but now you're just, becoming a shitty person well that's right. playing with fire because maybe you stay sober maybe you don't but right. all right. i'm trying to right. say is that like the stuff we're teaching or the stuff that we've learned as it relates to the um the the, the spiritual malady and like how to live and how to be a good person it's going to make our life better it's going to make every human being's life better and it's the same stuff that Jesus was talking about. And it's the same stuff that all religions talk about. The difference in the big book is that they address the disease like in the very beginning. Right. And then like get into like how to be a good person so that you'll have a better chance at not yeah. being miserable. Yeah. It's kind of a trip. It is a trip. It, it doesn't serve me personally to compartmentalize the two. I can't have one without the other. Um, what does that mean? Meaning that... I didn't get sober to be miserable, right? I could have just kept getting loaded if that was the case. Right. So working on myself and improving who I am and the way that I exist in the world and no longer sticking a needle in my neck to get out of bed in the morning, go hand in hand. Can't have one without the other. Yeah. I understand exactly where you're coming from, but it just doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve me to come from that perspective because, um, you know, I view 
sort of the daily effort that it takes to improve yourself as something necessary mm-hmm. to not only stay sober, to, but to make sure that the quality of my sobriety is worth it. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't stay sober if my life wasn't better. That's the cold hard truth of it. Yeah. It has to be for me. You know, do you have sponsees? Not currently. I've just been super swamped with my wife going through law school and stuff, but uh, I've been volunteering again at meetings after. I mean, with COVID, it was kind of difficult, you know, yeah, like we sure. weren't in person. So I was just working with my sponsor and uh, I felt like I wasn't, I didn't have enough to give away. Um, but I've recently started working with people again. Yeah. I'm still like uh, this, this idea is fascinating to me because I just think each person needs different things, you know, and <clears throat> Michaelis like talks a lot about how, you know, he became miserable right. in reco- in sobriety. And so did I, and maybe his, the spiritual malady in him was a lot more extreme than it is in most people. And now he needs to do more right. to be okay than most people. It's possible. So yeah. like, but his whole, the whole thing that he's teaching here in this house is you have to do the book work with another alcoholic to stay sober. Like that's the main tool to treat our disease. Interesting. And that's what they're saying in, in AA. That's what they're saying in the big book. They're saying of that course. Like Bill, yeah. Bill and yeah. Bob, they, they had to, they were, they used the word frantically and like they use words like, um, you know, like going out of the way to help, to, to take another alcoholic through this process so that they can stay sober. Cause you know, Bill's wife was like, Bill was like, none of these people stayed sober. And his wife was like, yeah, but you did. And it was like, ding. Right. Wow. I'm staying sober. Cause I'm trying to help these other people. And it's not even for them. It's for me. And that's really how we treat our disease. And the other stuff is like, we want to be better people. That's stuff that all people should, could, could benefit from. I agree. I agree. So he yeah. wrote, he just wrote a book, Michaelis, my sponsor who yeah. helps out with this house. It's called the spiritual revolution, a, a precise guide to inner peace. Mm-hmm. And it's an actual workbook. It's like a text. It's like the big book, but for normies. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's a good look, man. I often, I've, I've <laughs> yeah. talked about it multiple times to people that like, it's a, very similar to like organized religion, right? Like I'm not one to really subscribe to any specific ideology. I never have. Um, but I think that if you can, it's a hell of a good way to live your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing with AA. Yeah. Yeah. He bounced. Hmm. What's it? What? What's it? What do you mean? It's a hell of a way to live your life. Oh, uh, a life uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, man, working steps, doing the things that we do. If you can apply that in every facet of your life, whether you struggle or not, I feel better about myself today than I ever did, right? And I don't think that didn't come naturally to me. The self, the the pride, the self respect, the honesty, the integrity, all of those things are learned behaviors. Those are the, that's what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a way of life. It's yes. an embodiment of this version of myself that I always wanted to be. So yeah. I chase it. Yeah. I chase it just like I chased a heroin high. It's yeah. the same way, right? Yeah. Chasing that ultimate kind of version of yourself that you can be proud of. Um, and it's a trip because like you're not chasing it with self or ego. You're you're chasing it by trying to bury like one thing we write 
at the fir- at the top of the book is I uh, bury my pride before my pride buries me. Yeah. That's like the foundation and then it's like go through the triangle and we read before we do the book work, we read uh God take away everything I think I know about this book and about this process and about you God so I can have an experience with you. And like because of Michaelis, I'm like literally taking Billy through the book again, Mikey through the book again. Um, Woody through the book again and looking for people to go through the book. I mean, dude, Michaelis went through the book with Daniel's parents today. I know. Like this guy is like, and they're learning about like right. the parents because we have yeah. these parent. We have this one parent who's like really gnarly, yeah, like very involved and like asks a lot of questions and wants proof and ex- explanation for every little thing. And of course, and he's like, if you want, I'll take you guys through the book. So he's like taking them through the book. And he also talks about there's no sponsor. Like this idea of sponsorship is like not – they don't mention it in the big book ever. No. No. So it's really – all we're really supposed to be doing is taking other alcoholics through the book. Right. Right. I mean it's interesting. You know, I think AA is very unique in that in that however it works for you, work it. Yeah, like however it resonates. Like you, how much time you got? Like fifteen years, something like that. Sixteen, sixteen years, right? So this is in your sixteenth year. You're talking about it like a newcomer. Yeah, that's that's the incredible thing about what we have. And Michaelis is sitting here talking about, bro, you've never actually done. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it's the first time. The the, the reason he's saying I've never done it is because I've actually never taken someone through. The first whatever I think it's eighty. Well, I think that the the actual work ends at like eighty something. Um, but yeah, one sixty four. I've never actually taken. I've gone through it, right? But I've never taken. I've gone through. I've taken people through the twelve and twelve. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. I've done steps with people, sure. but I've never actually done it this way. And it's really with crazy. a highlighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a highlighter, <laughs> right. underlining things, defining things. And I'm taking notes this time around because, like, it, it's it's like it's in the story. It's like, like even just reading, like reading Bill's story is step one. Yeah, because you're you're reading how he thought he was this amazing person. <laughs> before he was he was right. just a using drug he thought he was going to be this like golf pro guy yeah i'm like that's what i thought i thought i was like this awesome person when i was out there using so yeah. it's like you're getting to read you're, you're making these um c- correlations and these you're drawing parallels and you're identifying with his story to to remember yours and the bottoms you hit and the delusions that you had and it's just like all the way it was written, it's meant to be gone through so that you can do the steps in a more precise way. And like every single word that they use is, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like drinking the Michaelis Kool-Aid here. But it's not just the Michaelis Kool-Aid. It's like right. what AA started as. Yeah, yeah. You're going back to the basics. Yeah, which is yeah. cool. But his whole thing is like that's the only thing that works. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I don't know. 
Yeah, I, that that's what I was getting at. You have 15 years of recovery up until now. Right. You can't say that it didn't work. Right. But there's always room for improvement. 100%. There's always room for a, pers- a, a shift in perspective or if you want to make it applicable to different parts of your life. That's what makes this so rad. It's like the, it, it's yeah. the deal that never stops giving. It's right? definitely like the root. And I think that I would probably agree with him that it's like the best way. It's the original way. Sure. Sure. I love getting back to the roots of it. Actually, to to give Danielle a little bit of um, like uh, at a girl, the original original way was like Sermon on the Mount, the Oxford group, oh yeah, the Jesus stuff, yeah, yeah. But like, I think it's important that we're like actually re- studying what was taught, and we're not just like saying like praise Jesus. It's like, what did he yeah. say? What was his life? What did he stand for? Like, where can I learn from that and not just be like, oh, I'm like. Right. Does it serve you? Is it applicable to, to, to your life? Can it help you? Can it benefit you? I think Go it can. for it. But I think like, it can. Run it all the way. Take yeah. a look at my, ex- like, my story, you know, relapsing after 11 years and literally going to Bible study five days a week. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, a, look at how I've changed. It's working for you. It is. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And I think it's important as alcoholics to like not want to force everyone to do it our way. Right. That's the big well, takeaway here. Here's something interesting on that point. So none of my curriculum at the program is is AA based. We don't do any 12-step stuff. We take them to meetings, but it's all voluntary. Right. Because it's supposed to be free, right? I'm not <laughs> donating our proceeds to central office. Um, <laughs> You're like, this think, is what worked for me, and this is what works for a lot of people. Right. Check it out if you want. Exactly. But we, all, we also have these other things. Yeah, we do a little bit of everything from yeah. all these different evidence-based approaches. Yeah, that's dope. Because the spiritual... The, the spiritual approach shouldn't be for sale. It kind of defeats the entire purpose of the spiritual approach. Mm. It needs to be organic. You have to go out and seek it and make that connection. And whether it's with Jesus Christ or if it's Bill W or whatever, yeah. I don't care. Just do something. Yeah. Find something that me- works me- for you. Me- meditation. Me- yeah. Surfing. Yeah. Yoga. Golfing. It doesn't <clears throat> matter. Wherever yeah. you find your chi, you find your center, you find your focus. If it, if it serves you and it's good for you, then run with it. Yeah. That's what we tell our clients all the time because, like, I can't come in and assume that they're going to do the exact same thing yeah. that I did. And more importantly, I can't sell that. That's free. I think That's beautiful. I think know? the common denominator is finding a power greater than yourself, which exists only in this moment, being present in this moment only, and and connecting with something. And it's really hard to describe that yeah yeah you you almost can't whenever i share from the podium i i say one of the things i always try to say is that like i can't really describe this i can't really describe my god with like the limited language that i have but i'm gonna try (laughs) this is my attempt at trying to describe to you like what it's been like finding a power greater than myself can I ask a couple more questions about your facility? Sure. So how long does a, a typical client stay there? 
Uh, it's like 28 days on average, average length this day. And it yeah. can be longer and it can be less. Yeah, or? it can. I think anything over probably 45 is a little bit too intensive. You know, I think that treatment really does need to be looked at as a stagger, right? Mm. It's too intensive at that level of care. Oh, I see. You need to start taking on some responsibilities, taking on some autonomy and, you know, moving forward. And so uh, some go back to their homes and some go to sober living from there yeah, or something yeah. like that? Yeah, so they can go to sober living, they can go back home, they can go to an intensive outpatient program. We always try and encourage, do something. Don't and what, just leave here and, and go right back to doing what you're and doing. And what's the maximum amount of people you can have in one of your locations? Per facility is six. We and cap the, out at six. There's no way to do really? more. No, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So do you need to promote or do you just have like a waiting list or, or how to... Well, I, it kind of depends, right? There's so many different factors set. It depends on the time of the year. Um, you know, not everybody's going to be going to treatment around the same time. Sometime right now we have a wait list, but we could also have a max exodus in three days. And then I've got six open beds. It, hmm. it varies a lot. Um, but to touch on that, I, I think... There's something really unique about the six-bed model. And mm. I, I remember when when this whole thing first started, regulations, I think, were a lot looser, right? And it's really hindered by the fire clearance, right? Because if you're in a residential house, your fire clearance is what keeps you to six. Mm. Um, back when luxury treatment and private treatment and all this stuff kind of first started, uh, the fire clearance was broken down based on the local fire department. There was no, like... Fire Prevention Bureau of LA County. So you have places like even here, like in Malibu or in, in Agora Hills or whatever that would get licensed for like 11 or 12 beds. But from my perspective, the six bed model is small and difficult to maintain and insanely expensive to operate. But we know our patients, man, Yeah, like for sure. on the realest possible level. The case managers will build first name relationship with moms because they do individual sessions together with the family, right? The therapist will get to know people. You you know their brother's name who passed away when they were 14. You you build a real – there's a cement that binds all those patients For in sure. that setting, you mm. know? Um, it's incredibly valuable. I think the higher you get, especially where you have such, you know – high intensive therapy practices, the more clients you have receiving those services, um, one, it's harder on the staff. So they're going to set up personal boundaries because it's just too much transference and counter transference that happens. So they set up boundaries and they unplug and, and at that point the treatment's not as effective. Mm. And then the, the, you know, these kids are going to wind up becoming a number before too long. You go to some of these programs and they're literally a number. I got to like look at the chart. Interesting. And it seems like, yeah, the quality would high quality care, but it, it, it seems like it might, can you maintain that? Like what if, what if guys leave? I mean, do you, yeah, it sucks. It's super are you stressful. Able to, I mean, do you go into debt or are you been able to do this for a while? I guess it seems yeah, like I mean, it's the so trick small. is to have cash I mean, reserves. Right. And I think, um, you know, my partners would hate hearing that, but that's what we always do. We always try and keep, you always have to have a significant amount of cash reserve because it can dry up in a second. And if you're assuming you're not doing anything illegal to fill your beds, you'd have to just learn how to roll with that anxiety and roll with those punches, improve your admissions process, improve your marketing, try and get people who really need it and want it to come through. But it yeah, sustainable though. I mean, 
yeah, it just takes a tremendous amount of work and effort, probably more than it's worth if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's tough. But again, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's what I believe in, you know? So when you say there are a number, where, what places can do some places can do more than six or 12 or yeah i mean if you're in a commercially zoned building right uh, if you're in a hospital like tarzana uh, yeah so if you're commercially zoned he laughs because he knows what a shit show it is over there probably look at the end of the day i've i have some employees that used to work at tarzana um they really believe in what they do a yeah. lot of those people there are remarkably good people I'm sure. Um, the, they're hindered by the model. They're hindered by Medi-Cal paying them four hundred dollars a day. Yeah, you, you can can't. only pay these. You can pay a therapist like you know twenty eight yeah. bucks an hour yeah. when they could go work in Malibu for a lot more. Yeah, right? but I so feel like that. I would love to like look at the. Sh- I feel like if they had like a structure, right. it would be like epic. I think that you have to always assume that they try their best, right? There's a yeah. lot of programs like that that, that they, they ebb and flow, but the competition is such of oh, the yeah. good staff members that implement that structure right. are going to leave. Yeah. They're going to leave. Plus, like, the people that are there, like, they're not as willing or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my sense is yeah. the majority. Right. They're like, wait, right. you want me to right. do all this other stuff? Like, I'm out of here. What I will say, there are some programs like that and you have like Impact and Cry Help right. where that is full-on God's work. Those are people wow. who have no other chances or options in some instances. Um, and they go wait, and so wh- it is life and death for the majority of those clients, right? So some of the s- strongest, most powerful recovery in the world comes out of that. It's like this pressure cooker of pure spirituality. Right? So impact is a because treatment center. So impact is a treatment center. And cry help is a treatment center. Cry help How many people center. can be at cry help? I don't know. I, I don't want to quote it more to you. I don't six. know. But more than six. It's a commercially zoned, so they have a much higher census. Uh, yeah. what, what, what is the, how, what's the limit on a commercially zoned? It depends on the building, right? It's based on the clearance. Just wow. Like, so you yeah. could have 20. You could if you have the space for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You could have 20. That's you can have 75. Up. You can have 150. No, that's what I'm... I'm interested in that because all I know is like when we have like 20 people here, yeah, they're all... The structure like works better. There's yeah. more like shit going down. Right. And then we can like look at the shit and like it's like everyone's like... Like when we had like I, I guess it really it worked with like less people too, but I just feel like it works better with more people. This is a totally different thing, but like I don't know. I just think that I, I love when 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 everyone in the house is like taking pride in like holding the line. Yeah, they hold each other accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It becomes it becomes the cool thing to do. Yeah, to stay sober, to join this group of people. Yeah, yeah. The and more people it, that are there. Yeah. yeah, and then it's like a thing where it's like, yeah, it's hard, but it's uh, it's almost like it's almost like the way like a Navy SEAL would feel. Yeah, you're on a team. You're and in it, this shit together. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. you know it's hard, but yeah. like you get a sense of gratification out of it. You right, know, right, right. Well, it's like I said, there's a cement that binds us, not just like us being in recovery, but in this setting, you go through so much in such a condensed window of time. You'll build friendships. I'm still to this day friends with people I was in detox with and we're tight, like in my wedding and that kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, you build. And you only spent 30 days with that person. 
Uh, well, I was in treatment for 60, but... 60 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you didn't go to sober living? I did. Oh. I did. And yeah. what was that like? My sober living... So this is, you know, again, I had no money when I got... When I got to California, I had like a duffel bag full of dirty t-shirts and like a half a pack of cigarettes. That was it. Um, so the sober living that I went to... Uh, I often think about it as one of the greatest places of all time. It's uh, It was in like Little Armenia in Hollywood off like Santa Monica Boulevard, Normandy. There's 27 guys in the house, three to a room, tiny little single beds, bed bugs, dirty, nasty. There was coin-operated laundry, shared refrigerators. You had to get a sponsor. You had to you know go to four meetings a week. You had to work steps. You had chores. Um, bed bugs. Yeah, every once in a while somebody would bring some in, and we'd have oh, to bomb the you entire can never house. Get rid of those things. Yeah, that's that's. We got to dry all the clothes. Oh, it's it's ruthless. We do now, but know. but yeah, and I was there for like six months, and it was the greatest spot ever. Wow. It was the greatest spot ever because of what you just described. There's 25 of us that are all trying to stay sober. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. this team. It's like, oh, we wake up in the morning and have coffee on this shitty little red couch that's like mm. ripping and you know dirty and. uh Man, wow. you just learn a lot about yourself. You you build, uh, you build a, a a sense of confidence there. You know, something about the unity too. You're doing it together. Yeah. You're not alone. Yeah, for me it was critical because I I my ism is one of isolation. Like when I'm active and I'm using, I compartmentalize everything in my life, all of my relationships, so I can isolate better. Mm. I love yeah. being alone. You know, I'm just always by myself. Um, so to have that was like completely against my nature, Mm -hmm. but huge. It was pivotal, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, it really was. Yeah. I see that here. I mean, I think, I don't know that they realize that maybe they do or they don't, but just being together every day, the way they are, it's, I know they'll look back on it as fondly, you know, because Mm -hmm. it really is, it's amazing. It's like being in college or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's like... It's like kind of funny at times, and it's like fun at times. Like this, like Johnny just he just makes everything like it's hard. It's like it's like he's like the hard case in the house. Right. Like he just can't like get it, you know. And this is a person <laughs> that was around back when you came. Has known her for like a, over a decade. I scholarshiped him at Nick's place. So you wait. This was. You know Johnny. Yeah. I mean Yeah, I mean he's on he's been on the podcast a bunch. Everyone already knows him, so he he's open with he's you know, I mean he wrote something the other day. You you probably didn't see it. It was this uh, short story he wrote about his daughter. Crabs and trail makes her banana. I I could literally cry every time I watched the video I posted. Um he's super talented, but you know, he just he just like can't quite get it. You know, right, he keeps right. like taking little like what we call self-will naps at times he's not supposed to be napping and just like little like insta we call them insta lies yeah and so he'll just like like his, his initial reaction is to lie but um instantly but then but he's getting so much better at like not doing those things and everyone's seeing growth and um it's just funny to like to to like joke about things like the insta lie Right. You know, and then the way he like tries to defend himself and the 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 language he chooses about like, you know, it's just it becomes <laughs> like the 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 
<sighs> the structure and the community becomes like a thing. It's like we have these inside jokes and how we do chores. And what does he say? What is like some of the funny? Things? Well, one of the funny things is these like these Ukrainian prison strikes. Like, yeah, everyone. It's like it's like. Oh yeah, <laughs> what does he say? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> what about the, the majority of my peers? What does he say? Oh, whenever he'll get in trouble, he'll look at us and he'll go, "All right, in the presence of my peers, I'd <laughs> yeah. like to plead my case." Yeah. <laughs> no, but like he's like he's like dead serious. Yeah. I'd like let me plead my case, please. Like, and it's just, right. It's like it's like That's he's so got crazy. such a big heart and he has so much like. Love and he's so smart, but he's just been using and, and acting smart. a certain way for decades. So it's like, yeah, it's tough to break against. Yeah, Chris, yeah. yeah. Chris, this guy who's been helping from Access, who come or from Ethos, comes once in a while. We do house meetings and stuff. He was talking about like cognitive grooving, where mm. like the brain, you know, how the brain has like all the little like uh, wrinkles in it. Mm-hmm. Those are all like learned behavior or something. And like, we I think that's oversimplifying yeah, <laughs> quite a bit, it but is. I know what you mean. He's just basically saying that we've spent years learning a certain behavior and now we're trying to like change that. Yeah. You got to unlearn it. And right? it's really, really hard. Or unlearn it and simultaneously replace it. Right. That's what's tricky. I think that nobody ever really talks about that, but it's not as simple as just, I'm not going to not do this. I have to do something else in replace of. I have to practice contrary action. I have yeah. to be honest even though I'm uncomfortable. I have to go even though I don't want to go because um, you have to you know, train a new coping skill. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's tough, man. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would have it. Yeah. It's simple, but, you know. So, you've read how many tr- tr- uh, how many Bukowski books have you read? Oh God, I don't. My wife reads all of them. She's read really? every. Yeah, she used to work at like City Light Bookstore, and yeah, she's um, yeah. So like, she's the one to talk to for sure. Wow. Yeah. What What intrigued you about the beat thing? Well, it was her who got me into him originally. You know, I think that um, it's such a wildly cool movement of people, right? Mm. Because, like, our our country, I think, was still so young. Like, that's kind of, you know, it's like early 50s, mid 50s, and late 50s. So it was kind of the end of the quintessential American lifestyle that had developed of, like, these really, like, set-in-stone family units and what it was supposed to look like. And this was the first counterculture so to speak, that really was able to have a voice. I mean, Mm. I think there's always been counterculture, but this is the first time where there was a voice that could reach all the way across the country. Mm. And you finally had people that could communicate with one another and felt heard and felt connected. They felt their, their artistry and their struggles reflected and heard in other people, right? And prior to this, maybe it's just technology or what, but we're so limited in the way that we communicated. And then you have somebody like Jack Kerouac who writes this book on the road and then gives it to people and they can read it and they can resonate with this main character and they can resonate with this story. And which is it's what? rad, man. It like, leads into the hippie movement. I mean, it's really the basis. So like that. basically what is he talking about? Just like just being on the road with like nothing to do or like no responsibilities. Just like, no, no, no. It's, I, I, I mean, how much time we got? It, 
Yeah, like it's. Uh, have you read it's, it? It's. I've tried to read it. It's about uh, the Maybe way that it, the way it. that I have interpreted really any of these stories. It was more about a way in which you could exist in the world. It was about a way. What's all that weird noise? Somebody's having fun. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it's hopefully it. It's about a level of freedom that most people never felt like they had. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and a and a transparency I think as a human being that was not natural to people at this time. And I'm telling you, it was like you went through high school and then you you know you went through school and then you go off and you join the army or you get a job and you find a girl and you settle down. Yeah. And like everything was supposed to happen a certain way. Right. And uh, this was cool because it didn't have to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, can I share one one fun thing about the social media and everything? Yeah. So what are you I'm eating trail mix. I gotta eat something. Like I, I've <laughs> developed a sugar habit recently. Well, thanks. It's like nature candy. So this person reached out to me. And they're like, yeah, on Instagram, I really like your podcast, and I've been listening, and blah, 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 and I really... They reached out to you. I love that. Yeah, which doesn't happen very often, I right? I love it, yeah. And they're like, you're particularly cool or something, and I, but what, and I thought, that's flattering, and it's nice, right? But it's like, I feel heard. Through social media, there are a few people out there few, yeah. that like hear me. Mm-hmm. and jive it's pretty cool well that's what's cool about the podcast though this this is way better than anything else that we do because everything else we do is just it's short right this is where you get to really know us which oh, is but you said i'm sorry no it's just <laughs> funny because like I went live last time we did the podcast, which is where Chris said the thing about the ethics thing, oh, and yeah. that girl got a hold. But like that girl, if she just would listen to like an entire podcast, yeah. maybe she would be like, "Oh, whoa, <laughs> yeah. these guys are like actually really trying to do the right thing." Yeah, I pray that she does listen to this. Yeah, podcast. it's just funny, right? But what were you saying? Well, because he said the first time people were hearing each. Oh yeah, each other. Right in the fifties, like they were being heard. Yeah, that's what made me think of that. He was writing yeah. a book. Right, right, and it was a book. Now with social media, it's very similar. Yeah, it, you know, you can resonate. You can, you can. It's just incredible. It's incredible the way that people can connect. You know, um, it's kind of one of the I think most beautiful things about being a human being anymore is that we can still connect with one another. Connection. Yeah, it's everything. I think. Agreed. I used to think it was other stuff, but um, the older I get, it's about connecting with my kid, with Pat, with you know, with you guys, yeah. the meetings. It really is the most important thing, and that's what I'll remember if I have a deathbed. You know, right? It'll be those connections. Yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of magic. You can't make it happen. It's sort of, and you can almost. There's almost like this flow of energy or something. You know, mm-hmm. or it's a God thing, or. It's it's special, unique, valuable, and rare, kind of. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty neat. I'm glad you said that because. And nice like, where around. else but AA? And church. We're probably we're probably a connection we are so buttons. Lucky. We are. Yeah. 
We really are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that note, let's wrap it up. Sure. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, guys.